consistency in in your in your everyday work with the horses is is important for them. They they need to you have to establish a level of work that work ethic that they are expected to do every day, and then they will do that every day. <clears throat> if you you know horse doesn't know when you're having a, a lazy day or not feeling great or whatever and um, <clears throat> you know they say you're either training your or you're untraining and um, <clears throat> so you know there's a, a level that I expect from first myself and then and my horses and you know the people that work for me or ride with me that <clears throat> you know you you do things consistently and uh, and and clearly <clears throat> and and understand what the goalposts are and what you want to get out of each ride and what <clears throat> you want to get out of each horse in the long term but you can't put the long-term goal in front of what's going on right now and so <clears throat> had the quiet repetition of you know making them understand exactly what you want <clears throat> and to me that's then fair to the horse welcome to the practical horseman podcast featuring conversations with respected riders, industry leaders, and horse care experts. The show is co-hosted by Practical Horseman Editors, and our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. I'm Sandy Olenek, and this week's episode is with inventor Buck Davidson. When you hear Buck's given name, Bruce Davidson Jr., you might initially connect him with his father, five-time Olympian Bruce Davidson Sr. But as Buck and I spoke at the inaugural Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill in October, what really struck me was how many of his answers focused on the well-being of the horse. Early in the interview, Buck talks about the influence of his father and mother, Carol Davidson, and how they instilled in him a work ethic and belief that the horse comes first. If you don't care for the horse, Buck recalls them saying, you can forget about how good you ride. Similarly, when I asked Buck about living with the Davidson name, he explained that any pressure comes from within from his own expectations of whether he's doing a good job for the horses he rides, not only with results, but in making sure they are happy and healthy. Buck and I also chatted about the influential horses in his career, and he spoke of, of course, Ballino Castle RM, otherwise known as Reggie, who brought Buck to two World Equestrian Games in 2010 and 2014, and earned the U.S. Eventing Association's highest scoring horse of all time in 2014. Buck also discusses Park Trader, who didn't have Reggie's resume, but taught Buck about patience and being very clear to the horse about what he wants, mainly because if Buck didn't, he ended up with a lot of broken bones. As for Buck's training philosophy, he shares that it's about consistency and making sure the horses know exactly what is expected of them. If you're driving a car and a turn is coming up, he explains, you don't expect the car to turn on its own. The same is true of the horse. Those are just a few of the insights that you'll glean from our conversation, where Buck also discusses being father to his two young daughters, Aubrey and Ellie, with his wife, Andrea. To fill you in more about Buck's background, he grew up working and riding on his parents' farm in Unionville, Pennsylvania. Buck was just 22 years old when he and Pajama Game made their U.S. team debut at the 1999 Pan American Games. He won the Mark, he's won the Markham Trophy as the highest placing young rider in a USCT championship three times. He's finished in the top 10 at the Kentucky three-day event six times since 1998, taking the Pinnacle Trophy for highest place U.S. rider in 2009 and 2013. 
He was a Pan American team member in 2011 with Absolute Liberty and the alternate for the 2012 U.S. Olympic eventing team. Buck won the Jersey Fresh CCI four-star long in 2014 with Copper Beach and in 2015 with Red Sheet. And in 2016, he and Copper Beach were first in the Rebecca Farm CCI four-star long. He started his own business, BDJ Equestrian, when he was 26 years old and currently runs it out of Chesterland Farm in Unionville. We'll move into the conversation shortly, but first I want to thank the sponsor of this week's podcast, Horse Report System. Designed with busy trainers and riders in mind, Horse Report System's mobile app helps you coordinate horse health and training logs, stable tasks, and staff and client communication on any phone, tablet, or computer. Add demographics, photos, and documents, assign team members, easily record training notes, appointments, and care needs. Stop hunting through notebooks or text messages to find out when a horse last had his hawks injected, who is due for vaccinations, or how a horse is progressing in training. Improve efficiency, accountability, and communication by integrating Horse Report System into your program. See why users love the intuitive dashboard, uncomplicated design, and streamlined functionality, and get a free demo today at www.horsereportsystem.com. Now, let's jump right into the interview with Buck, where he talks about how he first started riding. So, Buck, can you just talk a little bit about uh, what drew you to horses, and were you always focused on eventing? Um, I'm not sure I really had much of a choice. It was a family business, obviously. <clears throat> my, um, my parents both rode, and, um, uh, you know, I, I did a lot of fox hunting as a kid. I did pony racing, then I ended up timber racing, and um, eventing was sort of the last stop on the, uh, on the equestrian uh, spectrum, I guess. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I... You know, I always uh, liked horses. I, I knew that I wanted to be some sort of athlete. I wasn't probably somebody cut out for school and um, sitting behind a desk. So, um, you know, this seemed like it would uh, work for me. Um, I read that in your, your much younger years, you were devoted to baseball. So what changed your shift <coughs> to riding? And did you learn anything from baseball that applied to your riding? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I played baseball. I was, I was pretty, I was, I had a bit of ability at baseball. I, I loved ice hockey. Um, <clears throat> that's really what I did mostly. Um, I did like 16 under national team and all that stuff. But I, um, I wasn't good enough to play in the NHL. I sort of I figured that bit out. <clears throat> and in um, baseball, I, I uh, was a little bit too slow, and you know I didn't love it like I loved hockey. And um, and um, I played soccer. Um, <clears throat> and you know, just the. I really enjoy the team aspect, and um, I've sort of incorporated my team sports into my, <clears throat> you know, riding and business, and um, you know, being an event rider is an inherently selfish sport, <clears throat> and um, you know, I really try to bring my guys together, and we're all kind of one team, and if one wins, we all win, if one loses, we all lose kind of thing, and uh, you know, <clears throat> that sort of locker room feel that before a game where everybody was, you know, pulling in the same direction is what I'm trying to achieve it in my own barn. And when you say selfish <clears throat> sport, just because you're the rider, there's one... Yeah, it's, it's, it's you and your horse, and <clears throat> you know, that you, you're not relying on, <clears throat> you know, an, another person to pass you the ball, or, <clears throat> you know, another person to field the ball, or shoot the puck, or whatever, or stop the puck, so, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it, it can be, it, it can be, 
a bit of a selfish uh, game, but <clears throat> it's so important the the people that you have behind you and uh, the pit crew, so to speak. But um, I'm, I've been lucky over my career. <clears throat> so your father's one of the most famous ventures um, of of all time. Can you talk a little bit about some of the key elements of riding and horsemanship that you learned from him, and how that shaped you as a rider? Um, <clears throat> you know, I I still to this day am somebody that learns by watching more than I, I do by being told or whatever and um, <clears throat> so I grew up my whole life watching my parents ride watching you know it <clears throat> the, the amount of people that came through my dad's place that um, you know I just ended up watching just because I was there um, <clears throat> I think that you know obviously really helped me and my parents always instilled hard work into me and um, that <clears throat> nothing was going to come for free and um, <clears throat> you know that the horse comes first and um, without if you don't take care of the horse feed it groom it take care of it properly you can forget about how good you ride so um, that's always been my number one focus is taking care of the horse and having the horse be at his best and that will allow us to be at our best um, so do you do you feel a lot of pressure to live up to your father's name or how do you kind of work with that no not at all. I mean, I, uh, <clears throat> it's, um, it's a different time. It's, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, uh, although I have the same name, I go by Buck. And, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, nobody calls me Bruce unless they don't know me. Uh, <clears throat> on the, I feel like we see it on the, the, <clears throat> on the scoreboard. Yeah. yeah that's yep, exactly. It. You know, th there's no added pressure for me. Um, pressure is only what you put on yourself. And, <clears throat> you know, I would put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, and, you know, I'm more worry about doing a good job for the horses and making them look and perform the way I think they should and you know hopefully make the owners proud and um, you know that not only the horses <clears throat> produce a good result but look you know look well healthy happy and um, keep continuing on so um, <clears throat> you know I, I love the horses and uh, I want them to last and that's always been my thing. Um, are there other riders or coaches who have influenced you in particular? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot, you know, like <clears throat> I've, uh, you know, uh, Andrew Nicholson has been, you know, sort of a family friend for a long time, and I've always looked up to him as a, uh, <clears throat> as a rider and a competitor and uh, just a horse person. The things that he tells you just on the, you know, just sort of flippantly is, <clears throat> you know, those are the times you need to listen. And, um, you know, but I've I've learned from so many, and you know, people out here that you know, I just I just keep my eyes open in the warm-ups, and there's things I learn every every time I'm in the warm-up, and um, you know, um, Aaron Vale is a great friend of mine. Um, you know, we do a lot of stuff together. Um, you know, there's there's lots and lots of people, and so I've I've been very fortunate to uh, you know to show jump, race ride, dressage event, so. Uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that I look up to. How did you meet Aaron? Because he's a show jumper. <laughs> I was trotting a horse down the road <clears throat> in 1999, and this car pulled up. <clears throat> two two heads popped out, and they said, "Are you Buck Davidson?" And I said, "Yeah." And um, they said it was Andrea King and Aaron Vale. <clears throat> and they said, uh, "Where are you?" And I told them how to get to my farm. And I said, "I'll be back in 20 minutes." And they showed up, and <clears throat> Aaron and I have been great friends since. And um, you know, he's helped me a lot. We've, you know, I've convinced him to do some events, and uh, 
you know, <clears throat> our kids are great friends now, and um, you know, it's uh, it's fun to have <clears throat> a friend that is doing it at the same level, but in a different yeah. environment, and um, see, <clears throat> you know, so <clears throat> we can uh, still talk about horses, but it's not the same. But we mostly talk about the Cowboys and the Eagles, and um, <clears throat> you know, and of course he's a Cowboys fan, and I'm an Eagles fan, and I don't have much to talk about right now. <laughs> <laughs> Very, very cool. Um, so you've had a lot of special horses. Is there one who stands out? <coughs> yeah, I mean, obviously Reggie Ballino Castle RM was, uh, <coughs> you know, he's still the highest points horse in this country. He's, uh, he passed away this year at Kentucky. And, um, you know, he did things for me that I would only dream of. <coughs> um, you know, I, have, I had a horse called Park Trader that probably didn't have the accomplishments on paper that that Reggie did but <clears throat> Toby was a he taught me more about riding and how to train a horse than than anybody any other horse that I've ever ridden out. <clears throat> how so? Like what did he? <clears throat> he just taught me more patience and seeing it through <clears throat> the horse's eyes a little bit more and ex you know explaining things to him rather than trying to muscle them and um, <clears throat> you know he's very he was a tricky horse, well, he's still alive. He's a tricky horse, but he was, uh, when he had it lined up, it was amazing. And, um, <clears throat> you know, so, you know, it, he take, you know, get me to take my time, but make it very clear to the horse what I want. And, um, would he just not do it if you weren't? Yeah, I mean, he, I'm, I think I broke like six collarbones on him or something, like something <laughs> crazy. He, he um, <clears throat> yeah, he, you know, he, he had quite a reputation when I got him. Um, he had been through a lot of people and some really good people. And, um, you know, uh, I'm really thankful to him for all the things that he, he taught me. And I wish <clears throat> I have a horse called Cooley Candyman that was second last week in the four-star at Morven, <clears throat> who's only eight, that reminds me of Park Trader. And I think Rolo will be better <clears throat> because of Kobe. Like, um, uh, <clears throat> they're a little bit the same personality. Um, I got uh, Cooley Candyman a little bit younger, so <clears throat> a little bit easier to sort of organize him, but he would have the same same mentality as Park Trader. He would, you know, <clears throat> if he's not lined up and he's not positioned to do it, you might be in trouble, and <clears throat> you're definitely not going to win the fight. So um, uh, there's absolutely no point in fighting. What made you, especially if you're broken bones, what made you stick with him and like say, okay, I'm, I'm sticking with this horse? I absolutely loved him. <clears throat> From the moment I watched him gallop by me, um, I was in Kentucky and I was <clears throat> out on the cross country course and I watched, <clears throat> he was doing a, what's now a two star and I watched him gallop by and I thought, oh my God, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. <clears throat> and um, the seagulls who have been amazing to me were looking for a horse then and, um, <clears throat> and I just fell in love with him. And it wasn't until I broke my first collarbone that I found out about all of his, all of his history of the people that he'd been through. Um, but <clears throat> it was rewarding. I mean, um, in the end, he was a horse that was really reliable in the dressage. He was in the 20s pretty much all the time. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's, uh, yeah, I just, I just loved his personality. I, lo I love the fight. I love the athleticism. And I, I, you know, I thought he was absolutely beautiful and unbelievably intelligent. Um, uh, going back to Reggie a little bit, what, what, what was he like? <clears throat> Reggie was completely the opposite of Kobe. He was, <clears throat> um, I've never had a horse that's tried harder um, 
everything Reggie did, he put 100% in. You ride him at home, and he would, you know, try his, his best. He didn't, <clears throat> he didn't look all that fancy or anything special at home. He just kind of, you know, did his thing. But um, <clears throat> he was very, very careful. Um, he was quite strong, hard pulling horse, um, <clears throat> but he was unbelievably honest and. He had, I don't know how many wind surgeries, but <clears throat> he, he had so many breathing problems. The fact that he did anything was amazing. Um, <clears throat> and, um, but the, the biggest thing about Reggie was that his durability. <clears throat> like he never missed a day of work. He just every single day showed up and, <clears throat> and went to work. And um, so he was able to get trained <clears throat> probably to a higher level than his ability. Um, you know, he, he probably, you know, he wasn't the most natural galloper, he wasn't the most natural anything, but he had a heart <clears throat> and uh, a brain to die for. Yeah. It's kind of neat because sort of like with, with people it sort of shows you don't have to be the best talent exactly. to, to make it to the top. Exactly. <clears throat> that was the difference. That's <clears throat> Kobe had all the talent. He was the best talent. Reggie was <clears throat> the worker, you know, if you could, if it could have combined them, they'd been amazing. <laughs> but. Uh, you know, I'm very fortunate. They were they're both awesome horses, and um, you know, Reggie was uh, has you know brought the family together, so to speak. You know, with with the Seagulls and myself and and Kathleen, and um, and that band is still together, which is really cool. That is cool. Um, so, what do you think overall makes a good event horse, and what qualities do you look for? <clears throat> well, first. You know, I always look at their eyes like <clears throat> if you know I, I, you know I want to look the horse in the eye and if I can't look him in the eye then <clears throat> probably don't want to ride him um, but um, <clears throat> you know their brain their temperament and then from there you obviously look at their their jumping ability and the movement and all that kind of stuff but for me the brain is the, the most important thing and <clears throat> you know and for me <coughs> excuse me you know I, I think the size is important you know as far as I'm not a very tall rider and um, or a tall person, and so I would prefer a, a smaller, a smaller horse that is a little bit shorter and um, a little bit quicker, sort of more of a sports a sports car. Um, but I've sort of you know figured that out over a little bit of time, and you know um, <clears throat> I'm probably better at making one that's a little bit careful, braver. Um, probably not quite as good as on one that's super over brave. Um, <clears throat> but, um, you know, so you sort of start to figure out things about yourself too and what are my strengths and then, you know, you know, then I'll, you know, every, no horse is going to come perfect. So you try to buy one that can cover up for your weaknesses and if it's, you know, a little bit <clears throat> less than something that maybe I'm a little bit better at, then, you know, that's okay. So try to match up personalities um, <clears throat> as best you can. When you say you help horses that maybe aren't brave become braver, how, like, why is that a strength of yours or what do you do that makes that a strength? I don't know. I, I think, you know, I feel, you know, I, I think that I'm probably, I'm certainly braver than I am smart, that's for sure. <laughs> <coughs> but I, I feel like I have, a, you know, ability to put a horse in a good balance on the right stride and, um, you know, and, and able to impart my ability and and uh, maybe courage into them and get them to believe a little bit more. And sometimes, you know, if I'm one, on one that's a little bit too too brave, and then I get too brave, then it ends up sort of backfiring a little bit. So, um, you know, obviously, um, you, you're always trying to work on 
you know, my deficiencies and, you know, on a braver one, I'm trying to be quieter and not quite so brave. And, um, um, you know, these are just things as you learn as you go. Yeah, that's me. Um, was there a, a point in your career that you felt like you'd really reached the big time as a rider? No. <laughs> it's short, no. I mean, uh, <coughs> um, you know, I have, I've won a few f four stars, um, but I've never won a five star. Um, you know, it's interesting. And somebody say to me, you know, the other day that they were sick of being pretty good. And I thought that was an interesting statement because who says you're pretty good, right? Like, I don't ever put myself in a box, right? Like, I, I'm sure there's people out there that think I'm absolutely useless. And there's people out there that probably think I'm okay. And, um, <clears throat> you know, the... Uh, the reality is I just get up every morning, put my bridges on, and try to get better. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I I can't spend too much time worrying about what other people think. And <clears throat> I just, again, just try to do the best job I can for my owners and my horses and um, try to fill in the holes as best I can of where I'm not as good as I need to be. And um, <clears throat> and the things that I'm, that I'm okay at, try to make them better. Um, but, no, I... I I don't know that you ever think I've arrived. I'm, I'm not sure that, you know, <clears throat> certainly <clears throat> for me, the, you know, the, the defeats sort of sting worse than the wins help, if that makes sense. And, um, <clears throat> which is probably not the best way to be, but, um, yeah, as you know, I feel like <clears throat> my wife always says to me, if, if I win, then I'm always like, well, I should have won. That was what I'm supposed to do. And, and if I don't, that, how bad I did and how you know terrible it was and la da da and um, you know so I do try to work on seeing the small victories and things and um, and um, because in, in especially in our sport <clears throat> we're not completely in control of whether we win or lose because all we can do is do the best dressage we can do and <clears throat> you know if the judge gives you a seven instead of a seven point five. You, you might not be able to make that up if you stay on it. So all you can do is do the best dressage I can and try to stay on that from there. Um, but yeah, it's just to keep working, working at it. Yeah, it's an interesting life lesson. I was listening to another podcast where they said people tend to beat themselves up. Like if something goes well, they kind of still aren't like, well, that, that just kind of happened. Yeah. When you're really hard on yourself when things don't go well. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and <coughs> yeah, I think I'm, you know, pretty good at putting it you know, out of my mind, but for a few minutes there, you know, I wouldn't be, let's put it this way, I wouldn't be somebody that's a big celebrator. Like, I don't, I'm not a, you know, pretty quiet person. And, um, you know, certainly if something goes well, I'm not a big celebrator. Um, and if it doesn't go well, I'd be back working at it pretty quick. So you have had a lot of successes over the years. Is there a particular competition that stands out as like the best of your career? Um, <clears throat> you know, there's, there's, yeah, there's been a few, you know, I've had some good, you know, obviously Kentucky's a special place. Um, <clears throat> I've had a lot of my biggest successes there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's again, it's sort of the small victories, you know, a horse that <clears throat> nobody's ever heard of, or probably never will hurt, have heard of, um, that goes well at some event that, you know, <clears throat> makes an owner really happy that, it, you know, it's sort of punched above its weight. That's always uh, exciting. and. Um, you know, but certainly Kentucky's been a fantastic place for me. 
Um, and you obviously ride and compete so many courses. If you have a round that's maybe not so good or, or met your expectations, how do you stay focused on the next ride? That's easy. That, 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 yeah, I mean, that's a good question, but <clears throat> that's for some, whatever reason, that part is easy. Like, um, it's, um, you just, you know, once that one's done, you forget about it and <clears throat> you, you concentrate on the next one. And, um, you know, I'll sort of go over it at the end of the day and, <clears throat> you know, I could have one on four and I was second on one and I'd be figuring out why the one was, try to figure out why the one that was second was second, you know, and, um, <coughs> but you do, I mean, it's a sport, you have to stay in the moment and uh, looking in the rear of your mirror does you no good. You just got to keep looking out the front windshield and keep looking at what's still possible and, uh, you know, just kind of try not to give up. Um, so as you had mentioned, you've, you've had your fair share of injuries, including your, a broken neck in 2003 and a broken collarbones, broken ribs. Um, and, you know, and you bounced back quickly, I guess it was after three months after you broke your collarbone, you, you placed fourth at the Jersey Fresh CCI three-star. So how do you bounce back after injuries like that? Like, how do, does it affect you mentally? <coughs> uh, no, um, you know, if you think you're not going to take a ride in the back of an ambulance, you probably shouldn't be doing this, right? Like, you've, you, that that's just kind of part of it. It's, it's just the way it is. Um, <coughs> you know, certainly, Injuries are part of the game. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a lot nicer when you don't hurt, and um, you know. But it's also this is my job, and that's you know how I provide for my family. And so, um, you know, I, I have a job to do. I need to get on with it. And um, so, uh, you know, as long as I'm not going to, you know, interfere with my horses or. Um, you know, put them in harm's way, then, I, then I'm going to try to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've made some mistakes for sure along the way where, you know, I was just so driven to do it that I was, you know, you know, you're hurt, so then you end up hurting more and then you end up having something else happen. And so as I get older, I'm <coughs> trying to be smarter. And, um, you know, trying to ride less horses, but um, trying to ride better horses, which is not an easy thing to do. It's not, it's, you know, it's not, <clears throat> this, this life is amazing, but it's not a, it's not a financially lucrative thing. And um, <clears throat> so, and they're not, contrary to what people think, there are not a lot of people out there trying to send you amazing horses. And um, so, <clears throat> um, you know, but yeah, injuries are part of the game and, um, if an injury is affecting me mentally, then I won't do it. Um, but if, you know, when the person says go, if it's still hurting, then, then you're probably in trouble. But generally, adrenaline kicks in and you're okay. And then on that, do you, do you get nervous? Oh yeah, of course I do. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not exactly sure why you would do this if you didn't get nervous. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think there's a difference. You know, I think I've, if I'm not nervous, then I almost get more nervous that I'm not nervous, does that make sense? I sort of <clears throat> feel like the nerves actually help me. Um, <clears throat> I think when nerves turn to scared, I think probably should do something else. Um, <clears throat> I can't imagine being scared to do something. Um, and, you know, I'm not gonna go to a scary movie. I don't have any interest in going to a haunted house. Like, <clears throat> that stuff doesn't really interest me, right? Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, nerves for me are just, 
that means I'm sharp and I'm paying attention and uh, and I'm focused. Um, and do you have to do anything to kind of keep them in check, or just you kind of know that about yourself and know that's part of it? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I know that Friday night's not a great night for sleeping, and Saturday morning's a little bit, you know, stressful. But yeah, I mean, it's it's what I do. It's you know, every single weekend, and um, you, you sort of learn to live with it a little bit. So we've all seen your lucky socks at the on the dog strip, uh, Kentucky, and and here. Um, how did that ritual start? And do you have any other pre-competition rituals or superstitions? Yeah, <coughs> yeah. No, I mean I um, have no idea how it started, and um, <coughs> I yeah, I don't have any idea how it started, and um, I'm not exactly sure how it's kept on, but it's kind of <coughs> almost become a thing that. Everybody wants to check and make sure I have my socks on, <clears throat> and um, so it's it's kind of a cool little whatever. <clears throat> um, but no, I don't have you know <clears throat> I wouldn't be super superstitious, but I would be somebody that <clears throat> you know if I you know <clears throat> how I did the first three fences in the warm up, if like how I did the first three fences in the warm-up if that horse goes well then the second horse will do the next three fences the, the first three fences the same kind of thing that would be sort of my you know a little bit superstition I would probably pay attention to <clears throat> kind of how I went to the warm-up or how I did X Y or Z um, but <clears throat> if it doesn't go well I'm, I, I scrap all that and, and <clears throat> try something different so uh, I probably rely less on superstition as I get older and uh, hopefully just on uh, training and knowledge. Um, so you did a uh, an article with Practical Horsemen a few years ago and you had said training horses is about consistency. If you want to teach your horse to jump a barrel without a bridle and saddle, you can do that. As long as you train your horse the same way, he will understand what's expected. Is that a big part of your training philosophy or how would you describe your training philosophy? Yeah, I think, you know, consistency and <coughs> in your in your everyday work with the horses is is important for them they, they need to you have to establish a level of work that work ethic that they are expected to do every day and then they will do that every day <clears throat> if you you know horse doesn't know when you're having a, a lazy day or not feeling great or whatever and um, <clears throat> you know they say you're either training or, or you're untraining and um, <clears throat> so you know there's a, a level that I expect from first myself and then and my horses and you know the people that work for me or ride with me that you know you you do things consistently and uh, and and clearly and and understand what the goalposts are and what you want to get out of each ride and what you want to get out of each horse in the long term but you can't put the long-term goal in front of what's going on right now and so <clears throat> had the quiet repetition of you know, making them understand exactly what you want, <clears throat> and to me, that's then fair to the horse. There's nothing worse than somebody that <clears throat> you know you see, you see <clears throat> letting the horse do whatever it wants, and then all of a sudden gets mad at it for doing whatever it wants. That's to me not fair. You know, like um, <clears throat> so. Yeah, that consistency in training is everything. And you know you travel all over the country coaching riders and teaching clinics. What are a few of the main common riding faults that eventers tend to have, and how, how do you help them overcome that? Just just that that they 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 don't know what they want, 
and so then <clears throat> they get mad at the horse for not doing it and um, you know I always say that all the time when <clears throat> when you're driving your car just because there's a big turn coming <clears throat> um, doesn't mean you're gonna expect the car to turn you, you need to put the brakes on if you want to slow down you need to turn the wheel and stay you know the car doesn't just stay on the road maybe they're starting to now but they um, <clears throat> you know your job is to not let it hit the tree um, but for some reason people think that the horse is just gonna read your mind and um, and that doesn't happen and so <clears throat> and I see people in, in a in in such a hurry you know everybody's in a rush to you know their friend did this so they need to do that and this person got this score so they want to get that score and <clears throat> you know that the competition aspect is taking over more than the training aspect and I think <clears throat> you know people need to you know understand horses a little bit and understand the training and um, the process and, and quite frankly care more about the horse than they do about the result. So it's almost like they might see you and others at these big competitions but they don't see how much training exactly yep I mean I can't tell you how many people come and you know sit you know come to my place and they they want to you know they can't believe what happens every single day all day long you know they think that my life is sitting here talking to you and going to ride three fancy horses in a five-star and uh, <clears throat> they don't see um, you know all the long hours riding horses that are never going to come here <clears throat> and um, you know it, it's it's a lot of work but it's you know when you can get to this level it's fantastic um, but if you're only doing this to get to this level or to ride on a team I think you're going to be sort of sad in the end of the day. So you and your wife Andrea, welcome to beautiful daughters, uh, to your family over the last few years. Yeah. How has uh, becoming a father changed you as a competitor? <coughs> um, I don't know that's changed me as a competitor. It's it's made it's made what I do make a little bit more sense to me. Like um, you know, before I met Andrea, that. You know, it was, you know, I do clinics, teach whatever, and it was all kind of for me. And um, then when I got married, it was, okay, there's somebody else. But now with the two kids, it's, you know, <clears throat> it's, you're not putting it into something for yourself. You're, you're trying to, you know, make sure that they have all the clothes they need, make sure they have the school they need, they, you know, whatever. And um, so as a competitor, I don't know that it's really changed me um, <clears throat> as, a, as a person. Um, it probably it probably has it you know it's it's it, it was in my everyday life it's probably changed a little bit like <clears throat> I used to get to the barn and get on the horses and I'd just be there all day but now I enjoy <clears throat> you know playing with the kids in the morning and you know giving them breakfast and <clears throat> you know my wife will tell you are probably not doing enough at the house but <clears throat> um, I enjoy <clears throat> watching them get up and you know um, and get ready and then I enjoy getting home to have dinner with them and, and things like that. So um, <clears throat> the day is probably not as organized as it maybe sh it should be, but um, you know, part of having kids is I want to be there for them. I want to be part of it. And um, you know, if a horse, you know, <clears throat> you know, sometimes the kids come first, and uh, you know, and that's just it.
I think it was at Kentucky, and I'm not sure if it was after dressage or show jumping, but Aubrey was at the in-game coming down the ramp, and you were coming up, and she had this big smile, and I think she was doing something really cute. And it was just neat to see, like, you know, even at such a big event, um, <coughs> just your response to her, too. It was yeah. kind of like everything in the ring kind of went away for, you know, a few moments. And totally. I mean, it's it, it's awesome, you know, to, <clears throat> you know, you. I was at, <clears throat> I was uh, somewhere, I was at Burley. And um, <clears throat> and I you know I was doing my dressage test and I hear, go daddy like from you know from the sounds I knew it was Aubrey <clears throat> and um, even uh, yesterday my littlest one is is one and so she she's you know when she sees me she l lights up and that's so cool but you could hear her say dada dada when I'm doing dressage yesterday and um, <coughs> you know so at the end of the day they could care less whether I get it. 28 or 58 you know like um they they when i'm done riding they just want to you know play and Aubrey wants to show me her stickers and um you know I got ellie i don't know what she wants but she's uh you know it's uh it's awesome and it's really fun to you know have my wife do this and my kids do this and um you know we get to you know i'm lucky we get to spend a lot of time together and um um yeah, I mean, my kids, my kids love animals, and they uh, and they love out, being outside, and so, um, <clears throat> and you know, they start to know the horses, and um, you know, they know which ones are good and which ones are <clears throat> need to get better. And um, and Aubrey owns a horse. She owns a horse that was uh, third last week in the four star four star at Morven Park called Sorokema, and um, we call him Cam. And so <clears throat> I'm like Aubrey, who am I riding? It doesn't matter who it is. Cam. No, it's not Cam. <laughs> and then the other one she likes is Rolo, which is Cooley Candyman. So she then she guesses Rolo. She then I'm like, no. And she's like, Carlevo? I'm like, all right, we'll go with that. <laughs> so uh, she she has it's always the same order. Cam, Rolo, Carlevo. And then after that she gives up. She's like, Dad, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> she's got her priorities. Exactly. <laughs> Are they showing an interest in riding? Yes, um, <clears throat> uh, our a, a longtime friend um, Jan Benny gave uh, Aubrey one of her ponies called Flea, and uh, Flea is a you know he's I don't know he actually did some preliminaries I guess he's I don't know how old he is he's old um, but <clears throat> Aubrey loves to ride she does a bit like I like like I did when I was a kid she doesn't really like to ride by herself she likes to ride with her friends and. Um, she doesn't really like to just ride, like she likes to have a competition. So if somebody wants to have a race or something like that, <clears throat> um, she's in. Um, and she she really she really looks up to Kinzer Vale, Aaron's daughter, um, who is a couple of years older than, than Aubrey. And um, <clears throat> Aubrey had a little pony that was kind of like a dog. And um, Kinzer was on like a proper pony and Aubrey couldn't keep up. And so <clears throat> that that wasn't so good, but now she's got flea, and I think she might, maybe she'll be able to beat um, <clears throat> Ginzer. So um, we have a, at the farm in Florida. There's a track, so <clears throat> that has railings around it, so they can go and have fun and cool. and cruise around there, and you feel fairly safe that they're all right. Oh, yeah, they're sort of channeled in there, and um, yeah, <clears throat> Aubrey's a little bit wild though. She's a, she's very much like like I was maybe I am like so competitive that <clears throat> sometimes she doesn't always think her way through everything <laughs> but um, 
but, first. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> Head first always. And um, but it's uh, it's really cool to have them. Yeah. Um, so to wrap up, what what horses um, do you have? Some special horses coming up. I do. I have the, the two I talked about that were at Morven Park last week that um, <clears throat> were second and third. They're they're two of the as good of horses that I've had. Um, Cooley Candyman's only eight, and um, <clears throat> I think he's a superstar. And the sore came I've only had for sort of eighteen months, and he he uh, I think he could be a special horse too. So <coughs> I have a couple of young horses that are coming up. And um, I think I need to probably <clears throat> start to think about getting, you know, like these guys are getting a bit older. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I've, you know, maybe need to start thinking about looking into some more young horses to keep the pi pipeline filled up. But, um, <clears throat> yep, we're uh, ticking away and we've, we've got some, you know, nice horses hopefully on the way up. Great. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode with Buck Davidson and a big thank you to the sponsor of this week's episode, Horse Report System. Learn more at www.horsereportsystem.com. You can subscribe to the Practical Horseman podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please rate and review the show. I'm Sandy Olenek, and you've been listening to the Practical Horseman podcast.